The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Many of Jesus' disciples who were listening said, This saying is hard. Who can accept it? Since Jesus knew that his disciples were murmuring about this, he said to them, Does this shock you? What if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life, while the flesh is of no avail. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. Jesus knew from the beginning the ones who would not believe and the one who would betray him. And he said, For this reason I have told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by my Father. As a result of this, many of his disciples returned to their former way of life and no longer accompanied him. Jesus then said to the twelve, Do you also want to leave? Simon Peter answered him, Master, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and are convinced that you are the Holy One of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. When I was a little boy uh, growing up in New York and New Jersey, uh, my, my immediate family is not very big. I just have one older sister. But uh, my extended family was quite large. On my, on my mom's side, my grandfather is, is one of nine, and then my grandmother was one of 11, so an Italian immigrant family. So I had a lot of older people around me when I was, when I was just a little kid. And one of the things that made a gigantic impression on me and I didn't really <clears throat> realize this until later on in my life. Honestly, until, until seminary, I didn't really reflect a, upon this. But by the time I was 10 years old, I had been to maybe 10 funerals in, in my life. And, you know, picture like future Father Peter in a little black suit, you know, walking, holding his dad's hand into a funeral. So maybe that was like a foreshadowing of, uh, you know, my clerics in the future. But I remember it was a profound experience for me because... I would hold my dad's hand, we would walk up to, you know, an open casket at a wake and kneel down before the deceased person and pray. And, you know, he taught me how to pray. Pretty simple, you know, Our Father and Hail Mary praying for that person's soul. But like I said, by the time I was 10 years old, that was kind of, I sort of expected some of the older people in our family to pass on and that we would have to go to a funeral. And, and it's kind of an interesting thing because you know, priests, as we get together, you know, we always compare notes, right? You're like, oh, like, what's your church like, and what's my church like, and what are the differences, and different things like that. And one of my good friends who's been ordained, so I've been clergy for four years, and, you know, and a priest for two, so I I have done funerals as a deacon, and then leading up into, uh, leading up into being a priest, but one of my friends has been um, a priest, you know, three times as long as I have, and he's only done a handful of funerals, just, just a few. And our communities, an, an older community, so we have many, many last rites anointings and, and, and many funerals. And I've done almost five times as many funerals as he has in, in a third the time of being a priest. So our assignments sometimes really dictate, I think, what the Lord is calling us towards. And then one of the other extremely profound experiences in my life, some of you know my, my whole vocation story, and it's been on like little videos during while I was a seminary and all that stuff. And some of you know parts and pieces. But certainly one of the most profound parts 
of me becoming a priest happened to me half my, half my life ago. Um, you know, when I was 20 years old, I, I met a wonderful girl at Baylor when I was, when I was studying um, in college. And, um, you know, we absolutely fell in love with each other. But I found out very quickly that, that she was in remission from brain cancer already from when, when we had met. And, you know, we had a great relationship, but then eventually the, the cancer had come back and, and then it had spread and it was no longer operable. And, and you know, eventually she died. I mean, and it was, it was in dramatic fashion and, and certainly dramatic for me. I mean, she literally died in my arms, you know, 20 years ago. And I don't say that to make all of you sad first thing in the morning, even though sometimes it's even sad for me to tell that story. But our whole entire faith is born out of Jesus turning death on its head and overcoming it. And in many ways, I think a part of my vocation was even born out of the death of Kristen, but I didn't really realize that. I didn't understand that the Lord had been kind of forming me for something in my future life. And it took a while for me to kind of understand that reality. Now, why do I bring all of this up? <laughs> you know, so I bring all of this up because... In our gospel, one of the things that's happening there is people extract themselves from Jesus. They walk away because they don't understand. Well, this is the difference. Many people walk away from the church now in our present day. Um, I often think people walk away because of misunderstandings, not understanding completely what we believe. One of the things we have to realize in this particular case is Jesus is not speaking in parables in this part of John. He's speaking directly to everybody. Remember, they always call him rabbi, teacher. And many times he does speak in parables. And then what does he say? And then they were grumbling about what he meant. And then so he explains what he means. He often qualifies a parable that's kind of hard to understand or confusing to the disciples and sometimes other people. But in this particular case, he's speaking plainly. And what is he speaking about? He's saying that his flesh and blood are going to be true food and true drink. And the only way to abide in him, to be in him, is to actually receive him, body and blood. And a lot of people of their own free will make the decision. They say, I can't accept that. And they walk away and they no longer follow him. And you'll notice something really important there. He doesn't chase after them like one of the parables and say, wait a second, this is what it all means. It's actually a symbol, so don't be scandalized or something. He doesn't say that. He lets them go of their own accord. That's one thing we have to realize. All human beings are given free will, and it's something that God will not impose upon. We have to actually make a choice to be his disciple, to actually follow him. So one thing I, I wanted to relate today, there's a couple of things, but these are very, very important. It's just like, What's our reality and what are we oriented towards? And so I know sometimes it happens. It happens probably even to me and I'm the one praying the prayer. But, you know, we make the sign of the cross and we, make, we do our collect, our opening prayer. And sometimes our eyes glaze over when the opening prayer happens, right? And it doesn't sink in. But this is our, this is our opening prayer today. O oh God, who caused the minds of the faithful to unite in a single purpose, grant your people to love what you command and to desire what you promise that amid the uncertainties of this world, our hearts may be fixed on that place where true gladness is found. Our hearts may be fixed on that place 
where true gladness is found. God's talking about eternity. <laughs> you know, that's where he wants us to orient ourselves. And I think in current day, we often are very fearful of talking about death, and we're very insulated of it in a lot of ways. But that's not really a part of our Catholic tradition. Often, if you look back on a lot of our Catholic art, you'll see things like, um, there's a famous painting of St. Jerome holding a skull, or you'll see St. Thomas Aquinas writing his summa, but then you'll see a skull on the desk, or, or another photo where, where it might be in the background. That was the concept of, of the Latin term memento mori, remember that you will die. It was something that was really alive and well in monastic life, that it was just like, you have to place this before you, you have to realize where we're oriented towards, not this life, but a heavenly reality. So today, this is one of the, um, the Gospels that I often read uh, at funeral masses here at St. Cecilia. And so today we read the Gospel in John 6, and this is John 14, so not too, too much further in John's Gospel. And this is what he says. He says, Jesus said to his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. You have faith in God. Have faith, faith also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If there were not, what I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and take you to myself, so that where I am, you also may be. Where I am going, you know the way. Thomas said to him, Master, we do not where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's a profound linkage of our opening prayer and the gospel we read today and where our lives are headed. There's something sometimes when I'm talking to, to groups of teenagers that, that I say, but it's absolutely applicable to every single person here in this room. And it's kind of a little bit of, of just a, a thought test, so to speak, right? So here's how we start. Perhaps this is a, a picture in your mind of high school, or we have a few of them here today, I know. But it's just like, you ask that question, what's next? And then maybe they say, well, you know, I applied to these schools, and I really like to get into this school. This is like my dream school. This is where I want to go. And then you're like, okay, great. You know, what, what's next? Well, I don't know. You know, well, I, I want to study this, so I hope to get a career in this particular field, and then, um, yeah, yeah, and then it's like, okay, what's next? You got to keep playing this, playing this out, because it leads to a very important conclusion, right? Well, I don't know. I think I'd like to meet, meet a lovely person, get married, and stuff. Okay, what's next? Well, maybe get a house, and then maybe have a family, have some kids, and different things like that. You're going to have to keep asking that question until you end up with one really important reality, which I started with. You have to end up in the grave, you have to end up with the reality of, of all human life ends, ends in death. And like I said, these are hard things to talk about, but they are infinitely important for us to talk about because of what's at stake. And so then you ask that question, what's next? The answer, when you talk to an older person, a wiser person, might be after asking this one time, what's next? To be in heaven with God. Some, some of you might say that to me when I ask, what's next in your life? If that becomes your backdrop, if you understand that, that that's where we all belong, that's where, all, that's where God wants 
every one of us to be. That's where he prepares a place for us. Then the stuff in between, we have to have kind of a loose grip on. Uh, material wealth, our jobs, the, the life we live here, Jesus says in numerous times in numerous ways. You know, we remember when he's before Pontius Pilate, he says to them, he says to him, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were, then my, my disciples would fight for me. But my kingdom is elsewhere. And he's constantly trying to remind them that there is an eternal reality and then there is just our earthly reality. And everything in the eternal reality completely transcends everything that's here on earth. But if we don't even know that that's where we're headed, when somebody asks what's next, if we don't know that that's where our goal is, then we can wander all over the place, all over the place. And that's the thing. It's just like there are many choices in many religions, but it's all of our responsibilities to say, what did Jesus say? Nobody comes to the Father. He says, in both of, he says this in both of these Gospels. Nobody comes to the Father essentially except through me. He's like, I'm the way. I'm the truth. Thomas is like, wait a second, Lord. Like, we don't know where you're going, actually. Like, we don't get it. Again, he's like, I am the way and the truth and the life. So the reality in this scene where people are rejecting him in the Eucharist is they don't understand or they don't accept that to receive the Lord is to abide in him and is to be in him, which, which allows us to follow him. The food for the rest of our journey here on earth is in Christ. And he, and he gives us him very, his very self to orient us towards him. It's like a homing beacon. You know, it's like you received the body of Christ, and then your like, heart gets set on, on him. And where is he in heaven? He's just like, what if I was to ascend to where I was before? Where was he before? In heaven, where he belongs where every one of us actually belongs. But unless we know that that's where we're headed, like I said, there's all kinds of detours that we can take on the way. But we really need to take that in and absorb it. But there's amazing hope in that, because sometimes it's like, what does that look like? People are like, what does heaven look like? You're like, oh, to, you know, we'll use words like, to contemplate the face of God in heaven. And I don't know, if you're a young person, you're like, yeah, I don't know, that doesn't sound like any fun to me. <laughs> you know, it's not something that's completely real to us. So let me put it in these terms, right? To be face-to-face -face with God, think to yourselves, all of you think to yourselves, what's something you just really love to do? They're like, I love, I don't know, playing basketball or riding bikes, I don't know, or binge-watching Netflix. What is the thing that for some reason, you're like, I can do this so much and I just love to do it? And most of my day sometimes revolves around that. Now, I don't recommend binge-watching Netflix as the thing to revolve around your day, right? Um, but something that makes you super happy in this life, to be face-to-face -face with God in heaven, the amount of happiness and joy and contentment and peace that you will experience doing your favorite thing on this earth is a speck. It pales in comparison to the joy of being in the presence of God. So think about when you're the most happy and how you're the most happy. And being with God in heaven 
is so far beyond that that we can't even explain it. St. Thomas Aquinas, one of, the, one of the best theologians and smartest theologians that ever lived, he had four, you know, b- before the age of computers, right, lived in the 1200s. He had four scribes that would follow him around. He was so prolific in his thought that he would dictate his thoughts, and in rotation, they would write down all of these things. That's why he was so prolific in a time where you've got like quill pens and just, you know, a very simple way of recording things. It's an amazing, amazing reality. But what happens towards the end of his life? And he didn't live a very long life either. Um, What happens towards the end of his life? Before a crucifix, before our Lord and the crucifix, which is, this crucifix is in Orvieto. He stood there praying before the Lord, and he hears the voice of the Lord, and he says, Thomas, you've written well of me. You know, what, what, what do you want? What do you ask of me? He has the best answer. Only you, Lord. Only you. He's given a glimpse of heaven, a glimpse of that eternal reality. His response to just that brief glimpse is, all is straw. Everything that he ever wrote, he never wrote again. The most prolific theologian the Catholic Church has ever known, that we still refer to his text, he never wrote again because he said, all is straw from this tiny glimpse of the heavenly reality that God gave him as a gift. That's like the little emoji that's like the heads exploding like that, you know? It's just like, that's huge for us. But if we understand that that's the backdrop of our life, then those that might leave the faith, it's all our responsibility to explain what they might be leaving. It's not just like a preference and like, oh, I like this religious choice and I like that one. It's just like, the only way to the Father into this heavenly reality is through Christ. And so what we're leaving is we're leaving the heavenly reality for just something of our own choosing. You know, to, you know we think about the prodigal son. He goes away, right? <laughs> and he squanders this thing on, on kind of a selfish existence. But we have to remember exactly what he did. He returns to the Father. That's what the little box is back there in the corner, right? He's given us, I mean, every time we return to the Father and reconcile with him, every single time we confess, he will take us back. So that's the thing that we have to never tire from. Never tire from coming back. We might be frustrated with some of our sins, especially if we have some habitual sins that really kind of pull us down, but never tire from going back and asking for his forgiveness and he never tires from taking us back into his company. If you feed on him and you abide in his way, and if you confess your sins and allow him to bestow his mercy and forgiveness on you, and you understand that our goal is to be with him in heaven, that's, that's what it's about. That's what our entire faith is about. And it doesn't need to get more complicated in that. If you do those things earnestly, then you never have to doubt where you're headed because you truly understand what God has oriented towards you and you're fed by him, transformed by him and he leads you in his way and he leads you in fact to heaven. So take that with all of us today. When somebody says, what's next in your life? You know the answer, right? You're like, to be with God 
in heaven. That's the answer right there. Filling in the gaps in between is just kind of details. God bless you all.